go with me to uh, my voice is going to sound weird because I'm going to get sick. So I'm using a mic. Yeah. I've been doing the Batman voice all day. Where is she? That's what I sound like. That's what I sound like. Um, go with me if you can understand what I'm saying. Uh, the Philippians 2 and, Prop- and Psalms 37. Philippians 2 and Psalms 37. I got this cold in Canada. It's a Canada cold. I, like imported it. Yeah. It's an illegal alien from Canada. I, um, I'm excited to dive into some of the nuts and bolts of dating um, and finish out the series. I hope um, whether you're in a relationship or not, whether you see yourself getting into a relationship anytime soon or not, I, I really hope you pay attention as we talk through this stuff and the different speakers we're going to have uh, for the remainder of this series. Because this is what I know. When, uh, this is what I'll parallel to. When, when I uh, started making more money than I knew what to do with when I worked at the Lodge, I really wish I would have paid attention to some of the principles of good money management when I wasn't making money. Because I messed up and lost a bunch of money because I didn't have good discipline when I got it. And there's a lot of us that have this picture of what we want dating and ultimately marriage to look like. And because we aren't ready to put those disciplines in place now and start building a life that will be the foundation to stand upon that later, we're really going to regret that we didn't pay attention now when people taught all this stuff. Because we're not going to have what we need to build the relationship we want in the future. I'm really thankful that Brittany paid attention as people taught on this stuff. I'm thankful my parents taught me to pay attention when people taught on this stuff because it's helped us build a marriage that is going to stand the test of time because we started grabbing that stuff well before we were even ready for that season, right? So please pay attention as we go through this stuff. I would encourage you to write stuff down. Talk to people you respect about this stuff. It's important. It is the second biggest decision you'll make outside of following Jesus is who you marry. It's important. So, Philippians 2, we'll start in... Wow, my voice sounds so weird. <laughs> we'll start in verse 3, and we'll go through through, through verse 4. All right. Philippians 2, do nothing, do nothing. So dating, marriage falls into this category. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. That word selfishness is interesting. It has the connotation of a politician that used trickery and that calls low arts. So like trickery and manipulation to get people to fall in love with them. So do nothing from a fake stance of yourself or empty conceit, which is a poor opinion or evaluation of yourself. But with humility, an adequate understanding of who you are, but with the humility of mind, Regard one another as more important than yourself. Verse 4, do not merely, so do not fix your eyes upon, do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. And as we start off this conversation of dating, you need to understand dating is not about you. A healthy relationship is not built on you. A healthy relationship is built on what you bring to the table. So a a lot of us, and and I titled my message tonight, 
I don't care what you want. Because a lot of us have these lists and these things that are adequately painting the picture of what we want the other person to bring to the table. And we will do anything to find ourselves in the spot where we meet someone like that that brings what we want to the table, right? Six foot five, six pack, $100,000 a year, drives a Ferrari, right? Like, girls are like, absolutely. Like, we want their Instagram following to be big. If they could be sponsored, that'd be extra great, right? So like, you know, guys, you're like, I really, I really want a girl that can cook. Thank God I married one that can cook and move me past like hot dogs with wheat bread. Like that was my life. Like, thank God. Like that was on my list. But, but we, we build these lists and it's more built on what our selfish gain from the relationship can be. And this is the truth. I don't care what we want because until we bring a whole version of us to the table, that list is meaningless because we will not attract that person. A lot of us have spent a lot of time picturing what it would look like when we're in the perfect relationship and have done little time building out a life that leads to that. And we're being selfish and we're focusing on our own interests. Relationships are built on two people willing to bring humility and good works towards each other to the table, right? Let's go to Psalms 34. We'll get practical after that. Psalms 34, 3 through 5. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Can I just say some of us are frustrated about the season we're in? And it's because we're trying to move on from a land we're supposed to dwell in and be faithful in. There's some of us that are so frustrated. I, this is such a Christian phrase. What season of life are you in? Like, do I need to bring a coat? Can I wear shorts? I don't know what you're talking about. But there's some of us that are frustrated about the season of life we're in. And we would be do good to learn how to cultivate faithfulness in the season of life we're in. Singleness is not a curse. It is a season to develop faithfulness. All right? Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do it. So I, I want to give you four things. Four things that matter more than when you start today. These are things that are important to have. Now, this is not an all-inclusive list. This is not an exhaustive list. There are things you could be messing up in this list and still date well. Like I, I'm not professing to be the expert, but this is based on what I have observed in marriages that I admire and dating relationships that haven't worked because I get to see a lot of those and it's kind of entertaining. But first one is this. You need to know your north. You need to know your north. North for us, that statement for us means this. Knowing your north is knowing where you're headed and actually be moving towards it. Proverbs 29, 18 says this, where there is no vision, people cast off restraint. There are a lot of people dating people that normally wouldn't date because they don't have vision for their life. See, when, when we, and this is a mistake that people fall into, we wait to find who we're going to date and then find purpose. And we negate the fact that God has a plan for you individually. And I want girls specifically to hear this. Your man is not your purpose. Your purpose is your purpose. Like, like God, we are God's workmanship created for a good work long ago. That's what Ephesians 2 says. That's not gender specific. That applies to everyone. We are all God's workmanship. And some of us are sitting here so void of purpose that we're trying to find it in who we date. This is what happens when you, when you give your purpose to the person you're dating. Is at some point you will wake up and realize you want to do something with your life. 
and you will become frustrated with the person you are dating because they have become accustomed to providing your direction. And all of a sudden, thanks, Mark. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, you start resenting the person for the very thing that attracted you to them in the first place. You need to know your north. Let me put it this way. And, and this is like my favorite analogy for this. Guys, you do not need to rescue a princess in distress. All right? And girls, it is not your job to take on a fixer-upper. Here's another way. Here's another way to put it. I love that shit, by the way. Chip and Joanna. Couple goals, right? But, here's another way to put it. Any, any lazy hunter can catch something that's not moving. Any lazy hunter can catch someone that's not moving. But it takes someone, it takes someone that's dedicated to the hunt and has the character to persevere to catch something that's healthy. So we get frustrated. Like, like think about what gets attracted to things that stink. We've used this analogy before. Things that don't move start to stink, right? What gets attracted to things that stink? Gross stuff. So, it's so funny when I hear people say, I'm like trying to figure out who I want to date, and everyone I look around just weirds me out. And I'm starting to ask, like, you're the common denominator. Like, like, and, and I'm going to be a little harsh because, because I'm so passionate about this. Because healthy dating leads to healthy marriages. Healthy marriages change the world. Like, healthy marriages change communities. Communities change states. States change countries. Countries change the world. Like, it is no wonder that marriage is under attack, right? Like, I get that, that this is important. And I'm going to be intense about this because I get frustrated when people blame their environment for who they're dating. You create your environment. So if I really want to change the echelon of person I'm dating, I need to change me and change my environment. Because there is something about how I behave that attracts the people that I'm frustrated are my only option. you got to start with knowing your north. you got to be moving, waiting until you date and waiting until you get married to find purpose and identity will only lead to resentment later. What am I doing to build my life towards what I know God is calling me to? And some of us get scared because, like, I remember Brittany, she's told me part of her journey is she was concerned. She's like a strong, independent woman who definitely does not need me. And she was concerned that that would repulse guys. And the truth is, that is the very thing that attracted me to her in the beginning. Because I knew that I had a call of God on my life to build something. I knew Brittany had a call of life on her to build something. And what I got excited about is us reaching it together and building something bigger than either of us could do alone. Some of us are so concerned that if we got momentum and started building life that we're going to leave people behind. No, you've just left slow people behind. You need to know your north. You need to chase after it. Number two is this. You need to know yourself. You need to know yourself. Right? We have these habits, and this is the thing. I don't get as frustrated with people that are dysfunctional in dating anymore. Because I've realized this, people that exist in dysfunction do it because it's filling some sort of a need. Like it works. And so pointing out to some people, hey, you have a type of guy or you have a type of girl, you, you guy, dude, you are codependent on the fact that you need her to need you and so you're constantly attracted to girls that aren't doing anything because they need you to save her. Girls, you're constantly attracted to a guy that's lacking purpose and doesn't have good self-esteem and 
he needs you to fix him up so he can get to where he's going. Like, well, there's a reason that's there because that person hasn't learned to know themselves and know their tendency. Haven't, haven't dealt with that in themselves yet. The biggest thing that starts dysfunctional relationships is two people with an adequate understanding of themselves. Those begin dysfunctional relationships. That's why it says in Philippians, you need to have a humble opinion of yourself and value other people higher. See, because this is the truth. Dating someone and existing in a codependent, I need you to need me, you need me to need you, relationship is not helping. It doesn't help anyone. It sets both people back. So we are not, because we convince ourselves, I'm just trying to show them the love that they deserve. No, you're showing them the love you need them to show so you feel like you have value. And we put God in the mix even. I'm just trying to show them the way that God loves them. No, that's not God's love. It's selfish. And it's not, it's not, it's not giving. It's taking. It's actually lust. It's this thing that's saying, I'm going to suck as much from this as I can and not give as much to it as I can. I'm not trying to add value, I'm trying to take value. But because we don't know ourselves, because we don't see these habits in ourselves, we enter into dysfunctional relationships and get frustrated with the quality of person we're dating. And again, it has more to do with us than it does with them. How well do I know myself? You want an adequate understanding of yourself, ask your friends. Hey, do I have a type of guy that I'm constantly attracted to? Sweet Jesus, I've been waiting for you to ask that for years. Hey, hey dude, like, do you think I'm insecure and date girls to like find purpose? Yes, finally. And by the way, like, choosing not to date does not make you any less dysfunctional than choosing to date. Just carrying a different cross, being prouder of it. But, but we enter into these relationships and we're dysfunctional because we don't know ourselves. Ask yourself the question, do I have a type? Like, and I'm not talking like blonde hair, six foot, like that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about what type of dysfunction in other people do I tend to find myself attracted to? What, what type of struggle in someone else do I find identity and purpose in attempting to fix? What type of strength in someone else makes me feel good about myself? And so I'm attracted to that type of person. How well do I know myself? You gotta know your north, you gotta know yourself next. You gotta know what you believe. And I think this is really important. It's important, it's important because of the faith we profess to have. In, in, in 2 Corinthians 6, it says, do not be unequally yoked with non-believers. And most of us would like, yeah, okay, I can get that. I should probably date and then marry a Christian. And please understand there's a big difference from professing faith in and being sympathetic to. I think some of us have dated or are dating people that are more sympathetic to Christianity than actually believing in its power. And there's a difference, and the reason for that is when it comes time, especially when you have kids, to stand on a value and defend it, sympathetic to people will bail. But people that actually profess power in it will stand on that value. But there's another difference, there's another thing to this. Being unequally yoked to, to unbelievers 
it, it also speaks to the season of life that you are in in your faith. It, it really, really breaks my heart when I see someone get attracted and start dating someone who is brand new to Jesus. Because generally when someone jumps in on this idea of Jesus, they start seeing momentum, they start finding purpose, they're excited, life is working. Life working is not an indicator of it's okay to date. But we get excited and we want to start dating and when we start moving forward and we get attracted to someone and then unfortunately their faith is not rooted deep enough to be standing on its own. And so that other person's expression of their faith becomes what they identify with and not their own faith. And it actually becomes a distraction and a hindrance and not a help. You need to ask the question, and are we both in the spot where we are mature enough in our faith that our faith is standing on its own? I have faith on my own, regardless of Brittany's faith. Now, is Brittany's faith in season bolstering to mine? Absolutely. But my faith stands on its own. Brittany's faith stands on its own. Both of our faith, we need to be standing on our own two feet in our faith and owning it and believing it. Not believing that if I just date someone who has a stronger faith than me, it's going to make my faith stronger. Because generally people fall, not rise. We end up dating people that water down our faith and help raise the watermark. Last one is this, you need to trust the process. And honestly, like, in my story, in Brittany and I's story, this is a big deal. Because we were both in our late 20s when we decided, like, when we started dating, you've heard that story. And then when we got married, and, and I'll be honest, it was hard to watch my friends get married. It was hard to watch my friends start dating. It was hard for me to say, I know the life I'm living, and I know the life that they are living. And it seems like God is coming in the clutch for them and not for me. And we need to realize that dating is a journey that has an individual process for every person. Dating is not a formula. You buy the house, you get the job, you buy the house, you get the girl. It's not how it works. You figure out your insecurity issue, you find the guy. That's not how it works. The truth is that we have to trust the process. And that's why I read this proverb scripture. It's interesting. In verse 5, it says, commit your way to the Lord. That word commit literally has the connotation of like a rock rolling downhill. In essence, you need to so put your trust in God that you feel like you've lost any sense of control that you have. And there's a lot of us in this area of our life that because we feel like we deserve, or, or we are watching the clock keep ticking, or we are frustrated about the season of life we're in, that we are putting our hands on and controlling something that God is meant to, God is saying that you need to trust the process. And there's this perfect balance of the practical in us, making sure that we are becoming the type of person that is in the genre of the person that we want to marry and pushing ourselves to continue to grow, but at the same time trusting that God has a plan and that he's working his process. Here's, here's a couple things to tell if you put your hands on it. The first one is, here's, here's the first one is this. Everyone is an option. 
you are in a room and everyone of the opposite sex is now an option, you put your hands on something about trust in the process. Everyone should not be an option. There should be such a desire to keep moving towards your north that you have to be distracted by the person who deserves for you to stop chasing after what God has for you. This is not a, I'm going to pause and look all around and keep looking and keep looking. Are you the one? No, you're not. Are you the one? No, you're not. Are you the one? No, you're not. That leads to bitterness and resentment. But when I am so committed to the process that God has me on that the person comes and grabs my attention, that's when I'm getting this right. Everyone is not an option. And you deserve that. That is not a arrogant thing. That is a, I am trusting the process. Second one is this. You are finding fulfillment in the momentum of your own life. You are finding fulfillment in the momentum of your own life. Some of us find so much fulfillment in feeling needed by another person that we're not finding fulfillment in the momentum that God has for us. And we find ourselves feeling unfulfilled and all of a sudden success in our job or dating someone or making, (coughs) sorry, making a certain amount of money or knowing this person or getting this type of attention becomes the thing that we find fulfillment in instead of being committed to what we know God is asking us to chase towards. When I'm not finding fulfillment in what God is building in my life, then I'm probably putting my hands on something and not trusting the process. The last one is this. You get resentful at your friends. And this is real. This was real for me. And I struggled with this. But I began to get resentful at the process that God had other people on because it felt unfair to me. And we need to realize in this area of dating and marriage, there is more than enough success stories to go around. Like, you start thinking about some of the stories you know. Like, so my dad grew up on the East Coast. My mom is Canadian, and she lived in Africa for a while, and then she moved to California. My dad grew up on the East Coast, and at 18, moved from Amish country to this small church in California outside of a town called Yuba City. But just so happened to be the church that my mom's great-grandpa came to and started pastoring and took my grandparents to. And they got married in California and moved to Portland, where I was born. You can think about my story. I was in Portland, moved to Centralia, and ended up here. And Brittany was born in Utah. And because her dad was military, got based in Fort Lewis, and just so happened to meet Steve Murray. Her parents met Steve Murray who planted this church and decided to leave the church they were at and be part of that church plant. I just so happened to meet Taylor Murray at Bible College and decided to move here and be with him. And Brittany just so happened to send a text and say, oops, I meant to send that to the group thread. (laughs) We need to realize that if I'm being diligent in my part, then God has a process that I can't understand and I can't see. But if I commit to it, if I roll with it, Literally roll with it. You know, how many guys have rolled down a hill before and lost control and crashed, right? You gotta, I'm gonna make an analogy of this. Hold on, simply. But, you gotta, you know that feeling when you fully give yourself to rolling down a hill. 
and you start losing control and you realize, man, I put myself in this situation, but I hope it ends up well. That is the type of leaning into God and the process of trusting and faith that we need to have. Because God's the one that can orchestrate these crazy stories. But if I'm willing to know my norm and chase after it, I'm willing to know myself. If I'm willing to say, no, this is what I believe and I'm going to stand up for it. If I'm willing to lean in and trust the process, I can begin to build a dating relationship that leads to a healthy marriage. That's the end game for us. The end game is a healthy marriage. The end game is the 75th wedding anniversary. The end game is the lifetime movie based off your guys' story. The Oxygen Channel, the O, the O Channel love story, right? That's the end game. The end game is not fulfillment now. Again, and please understand what I mean by that. The end game is not, I would rather be happy now. And so I'm not going to trust the process. I'm going to give up on my north. I'm going to avoid what I know about myself. I'm going to settle on what I believe. But if we can do that, then we can start seeing the list come to pass. If we get really good at working our part and trusting the process, God knows the desires of our heart, and he will make them come to pass. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that we get to partner with you in this journey, that it's not something that we do on our own, but it is something where we bring our effort and our drive and our commitment to the table. I pray for those who have settled for being stagnant in this season, believing they will find purpose in who they date. I pray, God, that you will remind them of the mission and the purpose that you have for them. I pray for those who have these habits of dysfunction that they don't even see. I pray, as David wrote in the Psalms, that you would show the harmful and the wayward way in them so that they can be led in a better way, in an everlasting way. I pray for those that have been willing in the past to compromise on what they know is true to be in a relationship. I pray that they would solidify what they believe and that all of these people would trust the process that you have them on and that it would lead to a dating relationship that can lead to marriage, that can build a marriage that will last to the 75th anniversary. We thank you, God, that you give us this picture that helps us redefine what healthy in this area can look like. We want to give ourselves to that. We thank you for it. In your name, amen.